This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome everyone to the first official DST podcast of the year and thanks so much for listening. My name is Miriam and I'm going to be one of your co-hosts today and I am joined by who I can only describe as my personal assistant, my inferior, (laughs) my number two. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes. um, (laughs) What a lovely introduction. Thank you, Miriam. Um, My name's Alicia and I am your co-host for this week. Um, This little kind of banter session will be here a lot. So um, tune in to hear me just get roasted every week. (laughs) Yes, it's character building. You're welcome. Um, But yeah, so we'd particularly like to welcome, obviously, all the new freshers this year. Um, We were just saying before, actually, it is such a wild climate to be Mm -hmm. moving to uni in. Um, It's such a brave thing to do anyway, but particularly when there um, is so much chaos in the world at the moment. So um, we just wanted to say, yeah, you're really really welcome and we're so glad that you're that you're here and that um hopefully you'll be able to get involved in dst in whatever um, way that's possible at the moment and so what we thought we'd start off doing um is just share with you a bit of our freshers experience with dst and our auditioning and um, tips and um, and how we found that obviously when we were auditioning last year, the world was in a more normal place. More normal, so everything, definitely. absolutely. So mm-hmm. everything was in person, and that is actually how Alicia and I met. Was oh, it? We the met- joy! It was, <laughs> I wish I could turn back time. <laughs> yeah, no, we because we met in we met during Freshers Week, um, and I think we had like one conversation, um, mm. and then we got each other's Snapchat, and then never talked to each other. Um, I think it was the second term then that we met I walked into an audition and Miriam was that you were assistant director weren't you yes yeah I was on the panel assistant director and I think that was when I realized literally everybody knows each other in DST it's so weird you have so many random connections you know people through other people Um, and as a fresher I think that was one of the things I found so daunting at first because I walked into my first audition and everyone seemed to know each other Um, Mm. and I genuinely like I just need to say just go to auditions you'll meet people through that you'll meet people through doing plays um being in prod teams you know and it it genuinely isn't as scary as I think sometimes it can seem I think DST has a kind of reputation for being a bit clicky um but it's genuine like you you'll meet so many people that are really welcoming um you'll have really great friends obviously I have Miriam so you know it's not all positives she's thrilled she's thrilled (laughs) yeah it's lovely but um one thing we wanted to flag up um particularly for freshers is please 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 follow us on all the social media platforms if you want um, all the information get a membership don't don't try and do what I know some people try to do and leech off somebody else's membership it doesn't work <laughs> um just just pay for it um and then you'll get all the information in the weekly emails um and yeah I think that's that's pretty much it just follow us (laughs) yeah yeah and I think I think Alicia is totally right that I think um there are so many auditions going on and so many opportunities which is fantastic and I Mm. remember going to Freshers Fair and um basically I think spending about 45 minutes in the theatre room and my friends wondering what on earth had happened to me um but but yeah I think the general the overwhelming advice there was to just go for it and um, get involved and obviously it is a brave thing to do to log on to zoom with a bunch of people you don't know, oh, or God, you know yeah, exactly. um, but um, 
obviously auditions on zoom at the moment are a, a whole different vibe mm-hmm. um, but I, I I definitely found last year that um going for loads of things and even though um, you don't get into a whole bunch of things that's sort of part of the experience you build up a whole lot of sort of audition practice and audition technique um which can only sort of stand you in good stead for later in the year and I also think that the more times that you are in an audition room the more that people see you and the more that you get chance to to try a different character um all all is really sort of invaluable experience and help for for whenever um the right show does come along at the right time yeah I think definitely don't get put off by rejections um I think it depends on the people as well I think I was just I I just kind of went for everything and I didn't take it personally um obviously when you go into um audition that you know it, it could just depend on the director and what they're looking for it could just be you know you could just not be the right person for the character. It doesn't mean you're bad, you know? So I think definitely just don't be put off by rejections because there will be a lot because it's so competitive, Um, but it's also really fun. Um, And, you know, people um, who will audition you, you know, directors, assistant directors, they're always so, so lovely. And they always make me feel, you know, just welcome um, and comfortable. So it it should not be, um, it should not be something to be worried about at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, um, just speaking from my very limited experience on <laughs> the other side of the panel, when I assistant directed a play and Alicia was in then in second term. That got um, cancelled because of Corona. Yeah, <laughs> tragically, it was um, Agatha Christie's oh. and then there were none. But in the end, there really were none. <laughs> there really were none. Cancelled. Um, but that's my first and only experience of being on the other side of the panel. But I know that when we were doing um, auditions, um, which was really exciting, actually, to kind of be on the other side of the panel for a bit. Um, but um, we had so many fantastic people who were really talented and their acting was amazing but obviously you're always having to fit a certain vision and a certain Mm, um, vibe and it might be that this person goes with this person or this person doesn't go you know um and obviously we cast Alicia as a man so that made a lot of sense exactly Um, (laughs) the vibe I was going for (laughs) yeah but yes so I think um I I definitely wished in emails when you when we were sending emails afterwards to say sorry you didn't get cast that we could say you were fantastic just not quite what we were what we were looking for so I know that that's just something I would share from my, as I say, very limited experience of the other <laughs> side of things that, um, that actually um, you can do some fantastic auditions mm-hmm. um, and um, not still not be right for the part and then find something else that you fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I know you can also, um, most theatre societies um, will say that if you'd like audition feedback, you can email and ask. So um, you can always go down that route if you're interested um, in hearing a bit more. But anyway, that was sort of our our freshers rundown. But if you have any more questions, then as Alicia says, if you follow DST and all of the theatre societies on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um, then you're more than welcome to message anyone um, to ask any questions about how auditions are going to work, pieces. Everyone is very sort of um, up for a chat, I think. So, yeah, so feel free to, to ping us any other messages that you have. But, yeah, so so more widely, we were, we were discussing, weren't we, Alicia, about the... Uh, the theatre industry as a whole and obviously what a mm. what a tricky time it's been god it's been it's been a bit confusing hasn't it i mean there have been so many shows that have had to leave um just they can't be put on anymore i mean phantom of the opera was one of them absolutely loved that and mm. it, it it can't be shown but i think that um with the theatre industry as a whole 
you know, we, we don't actually realize how much we rely on just the creative kind of the creative industries in general. I mean, I think I was hearing a bit about um, somebody trying to boycott or at least not boycott, but I think they were trying to say, you know, let's all try and live a day without listening to music, without watching mm. any films, without, you know, listening to the radio, whatever, you know, Spotify, absolutely nothing. Um, and you realize how much it's become part of our lives. So of course, you know, this, this affects everybody in a way it's not just people within the theatre industry yeah absolutely and I think with the sort of nature of the pandemic and the nature of lockdown it's stripped away a lot of normality and a lot of routine and schedule that we're all very used to and so then when all of that is stripped away what you generally have access to are things like music and poetry and Mm. um, the National Theatre live online (laughs) productions or whatever which are fab And, and so and so it sort of really I think reminds you doesn't it of of all these creative outlets that um, sort of come to the forefront when everything else is stripped away. Um, But it's really interesting as well, I think, how creative um, people in the sort of professional world um, have been and all sorts of things I've seen online of people creating amazing virtual choirs and layering up 3000 voices or whatever. Or um, I know there was a a production, I don't know if, if anyone's seen it, but um, a production of Lungs with Claire Foy and Matt Smith, um, which was on at the Old Vic, I think. And they they did a run earlier in the year, but then they re-choreographed the whole show so it could be socially distanced. Oh, wow. It was filmed really cleverly. So they still looked like they were standing next to each other and then live streamed. It was absolutely, wow. it was absolutely amazing. And so yeah. I think, so I think people have come up with such creative things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are definitely some positives that have come out of it. I mean, obviously, um, Durham, you know, Durham Student Theatre, we've we've kind of tried to keep up um, as many productions as possible. Um, I'm on the exec, so when we were making decisions about which kind of shows should be given Assembly Rooms Theatre, it was really difficult because obviously you want as many shows as possible to be put on and you, you don't want the situation to kind of impact theatre and you don't you want to give particularly freshers um, a chance to participate in it because I know that the whole kind of Zoom meetings again they are a bit stressful even for me I mean I don't you know it, it definitely slightly put me off auditioning because I thought oh not not a Zoom meeting <laughs> it's awkward <laughs> enough with friends you know um, but there are definitely been again. positives you know we've got radio plays <laughs> mm-hmm. we have um, we have musicals that have like um, a maximum of like four people the the shows are generally socially distanced i mean people mm. people have really been incredible with you know cr- creating um shows that kind of f- fall under the restrictions mm. uh, and still make them good you know they seem yeah they seem like they could actually work really, really well, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think also theatres as buildings themselves have begun to really adapt, haven't they? I remember reading an article which slightly blew my mind the other day about um, Andrew Lloyd Webber and the Palladium and um, the fact that they were installing thermal imaging cameras and self-cleaning antibacterial door handles, which just sounds amazing. Wow. <laughs> Disinfect, I know this disinfection process, which is called fogging, and Andrew Lloyd Webber himself is currently on the vaccine trial. So, so I think there are all sorts of um, clever and creative methods being put in place. And um, but obviously, with the nature of theatre, the the sort of the breadth of locations that people can come.
come from and the money needed to sustain a theatre and means that a lot of places do have to stay closed at the moment but I feel that there are as, as you say lots of positives coming out of it and lots of creatively thought out plans and projects that can still work and then hopefully in in the future um we will be back in a theatre and I think I think I will cry I'm not a big crier <laughs> but I think I will definitely cry and we'll be back in a theatre and um and back to normal which would be amazing particularly in Durham I mean I, <laughs> we obviously we don't know how the situation pans out it may be that next term everything is kind of more normal it may be that it won't but I think having a sort of positive outlook um and thinking about um all things that we can do rather than the things that we can't do will just be kind of more beneficial and it will stop us all from going crazy Okay, so now um, we're very lucky to be able to welcome our first guest for the entire year. And I'm going to try and list all her roles in this show um, in one sentence, because um, she's very much at the forefront of it, which is amazing. Um, so I'd like to introduce Gabby Sills, who is the lyricist, director and movement director of the new musical Sugarcoated, and who also happens to be our DST president. So hi, Gabby. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, no worries. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just, yeah, <laughs> getting used to a different uni life. <laughs> Finding the new the new rhythms to uh, mm. to this this new existence. Mm. So I think the first thing we just wanted to ask you was about, you know, just the overview, you know, the kind of flavour of the plot, excuse the pun. <laughs> um, and, you know, just, just kind of like the general gist of um, and the general vibe of the show. Yeah, so it's basically based on people's different experiences of lockdown and how that brought people together or didn't, uh, and how that brought people together or didn't. Um, so you have different windows into different family. Awesome. And um, we also just wanted to ask you, as it is based on cake um, and based on baking, do you have a favourite cake? I mean, what, what could you recommend? Ooh, um, I'd say go-to is probably a carrot cake. Mm, good choice. also red velvet kind of has to be up there yeah mm, yeah solid. yeah yeah Different ones. well in that case we can carry on with this interview those were acceptable answers um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i also just wanted to ask you um, gabs what um inspired sugarcoated in the sense that um w- were any of your own lockdown experiences reflected in the show and how did you sort of initially come up with the concept yeah so definitely did a lot of baking over lockdown mm-hmm. i know a lot of people who did so there's definitely a few elements of the plot line that sort of get in there in terms of like you know creating the characters i mean how do you go about doing that from scratch because you know that that is quite difficult i think to do you know how did you kind of think of the personalities were they inspired by particular people in your life um there are a couple that are based on certain people um but it's it's a lot more sort of figuratively based we decided to go for quite big caricatures mm-hmm. of sort of people um with it being a musical and like quite la- light-hearted um everyone is sort of larger than life so there's nothing that i think people read into it too much mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for budding writers who might be listening to the podcast how did you sort of even begin the process of creating those characters just start writing mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. see what happens um in terms of once you've got an idea for one scene just write a few lines and then just extend it from there 
because um, once you sort of get into a character's voice you can expand that from there it's just getting into their mindset initially potentially mm. so you sort of found that if you wrote a few lines and began to feel the character it would sort of emerge from there yeah yeah and mm. you'd suddenly sort of find random pieces of their personality that you sort of decide to sprinkle in mm, mm. that's really interesting and actually that feeds in really well to the the question that i was going to ask you actually about writing lyrics um because obviously you are writing from lots of different characters perspectives and wanting to as you say give them a voice and create them on stage as such so i was wondering what it was like actually putting that into song form and and how you and dylan found connecting the music and the words yeah so we've we've definitely tried several different ways of working in terms of whether the lyrics came first or the music came first and overall the show is now definitely a mixture of both and like different songs started off in different ways I think the main thing is both of us being flexible enough to change bits we've done to accommodate to the other person because it's definitely a more rigid form of writing as opposed to when you're just playwriting so that was a slightly difficult transition in a way but it's worked Mm. I hope. (laughs) Have you you been inspired by any other kind of musicals or plays and in what kind of different ways? Yeah so there's multi-rolling in the show a lot. Um, I'd say the main musical influence from my perspective is probably I Love You, You're Perfect Now Change just because there's so many different it's more song cycling mm. in a way and you get to see lots of different families I, I'm sure Dylan will have his own <laughs> opinion on the music no no that's that's really really interesting and and obviously being a, a choreographer as well um do you have any um choreography ideas already and did that influence at all the way you wrote lyrics or uh, do they do they uh, sort of communicate with each other in any way Uh, There's definitely sections that we put aside in terms of movement. They've tended to be more of the like instrumental sections. And I think the movement is going to be very much based in the sort of domestic scene. So it's going to be sort of a heightened version of, for example, cleaning a kitchen. (laughs) So it kind of connects rather than just being like a dance break. But it's meant to be a little bit ridiculous. So. There are definitely sections reserved for that. Mm, very, very interesting. And and um, have you ever written lyrics before? No, I haven't. Mm. I've oh, only wow. written straight plays. So mm. yeah, this is this is interesting. <laughs> yeah, because I was just thinking. Obviously, I I um, know you are sort of a very experienced choreographer, but interested um, that um, lyrically for for a musical, this is your your first experience. And you say you found it harder overall than writing a straight play. Yeah, I, I think so, just because it is so different and you have to have considerations other than just your own, just in terms of writing with someone. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's more poetic on the whole as opposed to simply writing speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it is a different way of writing, yeah. How has your kind of personal, you know, DST experience or just experience of theatre really in general um, shaped you as a director, writer, you know, choreographer and has shaped this play? Um, Are there any particular plays you've been in or you've worked on that you've kind of taken inspiration from within DST? Um, I'd say this play, it's quite similar to Nell Gwynn, which I did last year. It does incorporate song 
movement and obviously like acting so it's a bit of everything which I like I like kind of theatre that crosses different realms rather than simply looking at a script so yeah probably that yeah very interesting thanks overall moving on to slightly more sort of DST focused questions as we are now um how has your experience been um overall of DST firstly uh, um sad as it sounds I do love DST <laughs> which is why I ran for president um but um it's it's an intense environment and I know people can find it stressful at times but I think the people you meet make it all worth it and DST you know we make great and DST you know we make great shows it's mm-hmm. some of the best student theatre in the country mm-hmm. so it's it's an opportunity that I'm and, and do you have any we were talking earlier in the podcast about um, advice for freshers particularly mm-hmm. at the moment obviously because we have moved into the realm of zoom auditions which are an interesting so vibe <laughs> um, so yeah just wondered if you had as as the president and as a, a performer and uh, choreographer etc etc yourself um would you have any particular advice for freshers my main piece of advice would just be get involved with everything and anything you can um unlike say being at school at, in DST audition for as much as you can um because it's so much bigger you never know what shows you might get into uh the different sort of pathway that can lead you in and the different sort of theatre company and their different niches that you'll discover and even if you don't think you want to be on a prod team give it a go you've got nothing to lose even if it's just a way of meeting people, I think the more ways you can get involved, the better, essentially. Mm-hmm. And regarding your role as um, president of DST, obviously, um, what do you think is kind of the biggest challenge for you, particularly under the circumstances? And, and how do you think you can overcome that? I think the biggest challenge has definitely been keeping everyone up to date in terms of COVID and what that means. And considering all the advice is being fed down through so many sort of fields of the university and then we sort of need to look at our own plans and go okay how does this now affect us I know it can be a little bit frustrating for people because they don't know exactly what their shows this time are going to look like so I just kind of want to make sure that as many shows can go ahead in whatever capacity is possible mm-hmm. yeah no it is, it is a, a crazy time isn't it um so um so gabs thanks so much for joining us and what we thought we'd do again as we started with a cake question we'll end with a cake question because <laughs> it is the most important topic obviously um but we just wondered if a if you have a signature baking dish what is it and b um do you have any particular funny baking experiences or anything where it went horrendously horrendously wrong my go-to bake is a chai cake. Is a Ooh. chai cake. Bougie, so, uh, yeah, really bougie. It sounds really bougie, but you basically get <laughs> you basically get chai latte powder and put it in. They did it in Bake Off a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um, so it's would recommend definitely. I mean, just classic burning cakes, to be honest. Mm. Um, and you know, having to turn it in and you know having to turn it into a trifle because you have to cut yes. off all the burnt edges. <laughs> yeah. the improvisation that you then have to take mm. what about you Alicia have you got a, a baking disaster you strike me as someone who would have many just oh, <laughs> <laughs> honestly I mean I just I think that the the hardest thing for me because I love I do love baking I like baking way more than cooking it's just I, I find it so much easier 
Honestly, I mean, I just I think that the the hardest thing for me because I love I too many eggs or too much flour, so that yeah. it's just the consistency of like cookies most of the time. That's just very dodgy. I've had cookies that have turned out to look like just like a mat, like a flat <laughs> mat. Um, so that was not very appealing um, physically, and it wasn't very nice either. Um, but other than that, I think I you know don't want to brag, but pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I had a bit of a revelation in lockdown because I think I've th- always thought that I'm actually, you know, a really good baker and I have mm. all these skills. And then came to lockdown and realised that maybe I'm really nowhere near what I, th- <laughs> what I thought I was. And my family is sort of teased me about it a lot but I did I remember my um my mum had quite a big birthday in lockdown and we did a sort of afternoon tea kind of vibe which was lovely but I volunteered to bake some scones because I thought that that would be you know the logical thing to do and I was like oh I can overcome all of this this is fine this is easy and um well not only firstly did did my scones turn out to look slightly like sort of flat pellets they weren't really the size I was hoping for but then as as everyone was eating them in this afternoon tea and I realized I I wasn't there yet because I think I was talking unsurprisingly um, and everyone was eating them and sort of pulling these strange faces and we began to realize that um they contained absolutely no sugar um so I I I think I was listening to some music at the time so I was obviously just really in in the zone and missed all of the sugar um from from the scones and and I have to say I did try one and the aftertaste was terrible um even I even I will admit so um my dad very bravely ate a few saying that that it made them healthy but I think that was (laughs) that was him being very encouraging all right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Gabs, for joining us for um, today me. for uh, coming on and, and sharing all the, the sugar-coated and DST knowledge. Yeah, very exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, sugar-coated will be on during week nine of terms. It's the 2nd to the 5th of December. Um, so um, everyone who is listening, keep keep an eye out on social media and um, follow Sugar-Coated on Facebook and, um, and just um, keep in the loop and then tickets will come on sale, I'm sure, very soon. And well, thank you so much, Gabs, again. And have a great thank rest you of again. the week. And we'll speak to you soon. Well, thank you so much to Gabby for that. That was um, really fascinating and great to share baking mishaps. And um, speaking of mishaps and funny experiences, Alicia, I was just going to ask you about um, stage mishaps or funny experiences that you've oh, had. No. <laughs> so, so I wondered if you had any particular memories you'd love to share. Right. Um, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'll narrow it down to just a couple because there have been too many to count. Mm. Um, but I think for the very first play I did um, last year was 39 Steps, mm. which I absolutely loved. Amazing experience. There was quite a proportion of the play which I had to spend handcuffed to um, another actor. <laughs> and these okay. handcuffs were not exactly um, high quality. <laughs> so, you know, and a lot of the kind of um, script and a lot of the kind of jokes, they relied on the handcuffs and us being handcuffed together. And these handcuffs kept falling off. <laughs> so you can imagine how awkward it was when they were falling off and we had to pretend to still be attached to each other and then like secretly handcuffed behind our backs. It was so <laughs> obvious. I mean, everyone in the audience could tell. I remember I was meant to be sitting in an actor's lap on a chair and then... Um, I proceeded to very slowly fall off and you just didn't hold me. <laughs> was just, so I ended up falling on the ground. And I mean, I'm sure it was a comedy. So I'm sure people thought, oh, it's, yeah. it's just funny. So it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
failing to catch a coat that was thrown to me from backstage, even though I did it every single time in rehearsal. And I was so proud of myself. I was like, this is not even a problem. And then it happened. And I was like, oh my God, like not, not just this. (laughs) So what happened? Did you just have to awkwardly pick it up and then? Yeah. Well, the whole play, we know we break the fourth wall a bit. So it was a comedy. It was very kind of like sort of pantomime like, um, quite over the top. So I think people just thought it was part of it. Um, it was not. <laughs> um, and then, you know, speaking of like, I mean, those were kind of just technical things. I mean, you were saying that you had a lot of sort of line mishaps. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I similarly, though, to you, I feel like I have a, a great host of hilarious moments where in, in the moment you can't feel any of your limbs and it's a bit of a near death moment, but it's also yeah. quite exhilarating. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I know talking of technical things, actually, um, prop wise, I know that um, at, at school and at uni, there have been some absolutely iconic moments. I um, remember in company last year, we had a particular show. And if anyone saw this show, you will know what we're talking about. But where um, Rose and Owen had quite um, an intense scene in a bedroom, shall we say. And the bed bed just completely collapsed partway through. So, um, and it was uh, it was it was absolutely iconic and they handled it absolutely brilliantly but it, it was during the uh, sort of pranks matinee where people are playing jokes on each other supposedly subtle jokes throughout the show so we just said that the bed ended up being the biggest prankster of them all um, <laughs> which was which was so entertaining and set wise um, at school um, I did a production of Sister Act and I don't know if anyone knows the show but near, near the end there's a big chase scene um and um, all of us nuns are being chased by curtis and his gang and it's all sort of this choreographed scene where we had two sets of doors that came on tracks onto the stage and then at on certain counts people had to peer through the doors and and look left and right and it was all sort of choreographed in the dress run one set of the doors got stuck in the wings so it meant that we then had to do this whole chase scene where we're supposedly hiding fully exposed on stage so they could all see us and we could all see them but we were miming pretending that we were coming out of doors and and that they couldn't see it and it was honestly it was absolutely hilarious i just remembered um for ddf um i had like not many lines it's quite embarrassing i forgot one of the kind of key ones and i was like oh no you know when you get you know you're you're, that's it you're numb you just don't feel anything you're like panic um yeah. And I was just like, oh God, not, no, not now. So I forgot the line <laughs> and I ended up having to awkwardly walk along the stage for an uncomfortably long time. So because it was like, um, cause it was a comedy, um, and the line I was meant to say was meant to be quite funny. Yeah. I completely forgot the wording of it. So <laughs> I was walking stage left and then like doing a pose and then people mm-hmm. laughed and I was like, okay. And then I ended up walking stage right and doing another pose <laughs> and people laughed a bit less. So I kept doing this until I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like people are being a bit like, okay, what's actually going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. So, and I mean, if you saw that play, I'm so sorry about that. It was, it was as awkward for me as it was for you probably. So, so did the line come to you in the end? Or did, I mean, did you pose for the I, rest of the show? Well, <laughs> the f- I just, I wanted to steal the show. It was my plan all along. Um, no one else was, came on. It was pose after pose. It was just me. <laughs> <laughs> it was no I think I got the first bit right and then I just had to parody the, the second bit <laughs> well anyway now that we've shared all of our uh, um, many stage mishaps and I'm sure there are there are many to go um, we'll sort of draw the podcast to an end um, but thank you everyone so much for listening and just before we go 
we just wanted to tell you a little bit about a new segment that we're hoping to add to the podcast in the coming weeks. And so what we thought we'd do is at the end of a podcast, it might not be every week, depending on how many guests we have and how many shows we have to promote and, um, people we have to interview and um, but we'd love to add um, a creative segment at the end which gives you the opportunity to have some of your work read out or read it out um, yourselves and we'll chat to you maybe a bit about it as well and um, but what we'd really love to do is get some new material in whether you're a fresher or a second year third year fourth year whatever um, wherever you are in uni life we'd love it if you had a poem that you've written or a monologue or a song that you want to play any sort of creative piece and we'd love to hear it and we know that lots of people during lockdown have had their creative brains on and been typing away or writing away and um, and if you've got anything you'd like to share or want to give something a platform or hear someone else read it or read it yourself and um, we would love and um, love to hear from you and I think Alicia you know how people can get involved I mean if you if you would like if you know if you're interested in this um, make sure to email me at publicityofficer at durham.ac.uk. We can't promise that we can um, put it into every podcast because sometimes obviously there are more shows on and then we'll have to interview more people. Um, but we will try and fit as many as we can um, into the podcast time. So... Mm. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you have any stage mishaps or cake mishaps, get in touch, let us know. We might bring them out in another podcast. Um, mm -hmm. But we hope you have a wonderful week and continue to settle in as smoothly as possible in such a crazy time. Okay, thank you so much for listening. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.